Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
evening, everybody. God bless you. So glad you're joining us today. This Sunday, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So glad you joined us today. Brother JLC, Sister Christy, so glad you joined us. Today we're going to be looking at three different books in the Bible because we want to get a good perspective on it. We'll be mostly focusing on Matthew 22, but we also will be looking at Mark chapter 12 and Luke chapter 10. Matthew 22, which we're probably going to focus a little bit more on, but we also are going to look at Luke chapter 10 and uh, Mark chapter 12. Um, we're going to use all three of those particular uh, gospels. <clears throat> and we'll be talking with the subject, Jesus has a formula for a life of contentment, joy, and spiritual satisfaction. Jesus, not me, not your preacher, nobody. Jesus has a formula for a life of contentment, joy, and spiritual satisfaction. Now, when you look at Matthew chapter 22, starting at verse 34, uh, it says, and it's talking about one of the greatest commandments, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. I guess they call a meeting, so to speak. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with a question. Now, we're going to touch a little bit on the Sadducees here in a few minutes, but notice what's going on here. Jesus has stopped the Sadducees from asking questions, kind of shut them down. So the Pharisees get together, and I guess they get one of the smartest out of the bunch to come and confront Jesus. He was an expert in the law. Said he was testing him with a question. He says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, if I was you, if you asked Jesus this question, and Jesus is getting ready to answer it, that's, you need to get your notebook out and say, I'm going to take notes right here. Because the question that was asked by this, uh, the expert of the law, is he wanted to know which is the greatest commandment. I need to give me a pen and paper out because I want to know what Jesus is going to say right here. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 22 and Mark chapter 12 tell a very uh, similar narrative about this particular story. Mark here says one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. It's a little bit different. He heard them debating as our Mark tells the story. Notice that Jesus had given them a good answer. That's what, that's what Mark tells the story and says. He says all of all the commandments, which is the most important. Matthew says that he asked them which is the greatest. Mark says which is the most important. It's the same thing technically. Now Luke chapter 10 says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Now personally, I could be wrong, but I don't think Luke technically or specifically are talking about the same specific story, even though it's similar. 
Because if you read the whole text of Luke, it's like the, 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 the fella in Luke was a little bit more hostile. The one in Mark and uh, Matthew seems like he was a little bit more teachable. So in Luke chapter 10, it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Notice it's a different question here. Similar to what they talk about. The same answer is given in all three. But in Luke, it says he wanted to know how to inherit eternal life. I don't think that's a bad question. I don't see. I'm not mad at him for asking that particular question. That seemed like a good question to me. He said, I'm looking out for me. How can I get in? <laughs> I need to inherit eternal life. Now, some people will say, can you really do anything to get your inheritance? Since the very premise of an inheritance suggests that is a gift. While it is true that an inheritance is not something you really earn, but it is bestowed upon you. In other words, you had nothing to do with it because it was sort of like a birthright. Or maybe you married into it. Now sometimes there is an, an heir, which is normally a blood relative who may be entitled to money or property. But there could be a beneficiary which may be a person or even an organization that may receive money or property from the benefactor in his will or her will. However, the benefactor can make certain stipulations that the beneficiary must meet before receiving the inheritance. So the expert in the law is not out in left field by asking this question. Notice the question in the gospel according to Luke. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Notice what Jesus asked him. What is written in the law? I thought that was odd when you first look at it. He asked Jesus a question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus flips it on him and says, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? <laughs> Jesus asked him, how you read the law? Notice the man answer in verse 27 of Luke, it says, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you have answered correctly. <laughs> Do this, and you will live. Uh, seems, seems kind of simple, right? Just if you want to get eternal life, all you have to do is love the Lord thy God with all your soul, all your might, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as, as yourself. Now, my question is, who besides Jesus has done that? That's the first question I want to know. Seems simple enough. Jesus said, all you got to do is, is do this, these two little commandments, because technically, we're going to get to what he says in Mark and Matthew, but it seems simple enough by the answer. Now, when we look at Mark's gospel uh, of the story, it says one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Notice that Jesus had given them a good answer. That's usually can follow. Every answer Jesus gives is usually good. <laughs> Everything he does is good. As a matter of fact, like in the beginning when he created the heaven, he said it's good. Yeah, because he did it. He asked him, 
of all the commandments, which is the most important? Gonna get to the crux of Jesus' answers. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Seems simple enough, huh? The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now, technically, I forgot to tell you this, and I don't even think I actually put it in the title. This is actually going to be uh, part one of a part two series because we're not going to get the chance to get to the neighbor part today. We're going to have to deal with that next Sunday because there's too much uh, meat on the bone right here to just deal with, just go rushing through this thing and then move on to the second command. We got to deal with the first one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Then the teacher of the law said to, said to Jesus, well said, teacher. <laughs> the man replied, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as you love yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Boom. What is more important than all of this? Now, when we look at the gospel of Matthew, it says, hearing that Jesus has silenced the Sadducees. The Pharisees got together and said, we're going to get our best fella to go up here and we're going to challenge uh, this, this, this teacher here. We need to understand, send our best guy now. So it says that one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, that's a question. First it says, now, Jesus silenced the Sadducees. So obvious question is, how did he silence the Sadducees before we get to uh, the meat of what we want to talk about? We want to look before we get to the meat of it. We need to discuss what Jesus did to silence them. It says that same day the Sadducees, who say, if you go a little bit further up in, in uh, Matthew chapter 22, and you look at verse 23, it says, that same day, the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Now, I want you to just take notice. Sometimes when you read the Bible, if you're reading too fast, you don't get the answers already in there. The Sadducees, who say that there's no resurrection, came to him, and they wanted to ask a question about the resurrection, which they don't believe in. Notice that Matthew says, that the Sadducees... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. These do not even believe in the resurrection. So why are they pretending to be believe in the resurrection and even making a reference to Moses? Listen to what they said in verse 24 of chapter 22 of Matthew. Teacher, 
they said, Moses told us. Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for him. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died. And since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second and the third brother right down to the seventh. Finally, the woman died. Now then, listen to that question. Now then at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven since all of them was married to her? Did you you get the question of what they're at? They want to talk about the resurrection, which they don't even believe in. You ever had people ask you questions about the Bible, which they don't believe in, that when it gets convenient, they want to tell you something about the Bible that they don't believe in. (laughs) So what they're saying is teaching. Who we don't really believe in. They don't even believe in Jesus, by the way. And the one who believes in the the resurrection, but we don't. Can you answer our loaded question that we are attempting to catch you in a lie about? Listen, now listen to Jesus' answers. You are in error. (laughs) I like how Jesus starts it out. Jesus is something else. And that's the master teacher right there. Jesus says, you are are in error. You have made an error. First of all, your premise is an error because you do not know what they don't know, Jesus. The scriptures are the power of God. (laughs) He be insulting people right to their face. I mean, imagine, you don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) You don't know about the scriptures. You don't know about the power of God. Just hush that. You don't know what you're talking about. You're speaking on things you don't know about. But listen to what Jesus says in verse 30. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but the living. So this should stop the argument uh, that goes uh, on about Genesis chapter 6. I know y'all heard it before. Some of you might won't believe it, but let me just help correct you for a little while. Because a lot of people that you'll talk to, for some reason, some some foolish notion, they believe in Genesis chapter 6 that there were angels, which is called the sons of God, they were actually having sex with women. I know that sounds crazy to some of y'all. And some of you may still believe it. Let me correct you because Jesus is correcting you technically. Jesus says you are in error because angels don't marry and give and marry. What are you talking about? He made it clear. Jesus tells them that uh, the mixed up Sadducees, that they are in error. The reason that they are in error is because they do not know the scripture or the power of God. Here you are thinking that angels are having, uh, why are you talking about being married when it comes to heaven? Who cares about that? They like the angels. They don't do that. The same, I just want to make a reference to Genesis chapter 6, because I didn't hear that. This is Nephilim, and they coming down having sex with angels. Can I ask you one question before I move on? If angels, if, if spirits can really, they're non-comparable beings, what they call if they can actually physically have sex with women and impregnate them, why would they waste their time 
trying to possess anyone. Just go have sex with a bunch of people and produce your own demons. It just makes no sense. But many believe that, but I press on. So let's go back to the text, uh, Matthew chapter 22, starting at verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the, the greatest commandment in the law? Which is one is the greatest? Now, you, you will notice that Jesus did not say the whole law is obsolete. You don't pay no attention to that. No, that, that's not what he said. He didn't say, don't pay no attention to the law. It's obsolete. But just like uh, he looked at uh, in Luke, which the expert in the law says, asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus asks, what is written in the law? And how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So in Luke, the expert relates eternal life with the great commandment. In Mark, the teacher of the law, acts of all the commandments, which is the most important. Jesus answered and says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord thy God with all your uh, uh, heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is, uh, uh, there is no commandment greater than these. No commandment greater than need. That's what Jesus said. That's not what I said. That's what the Bible says. Then in Matthew, the teacher asks, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus, listen to Jesus' answer. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Did you get that one? The second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets Hang on these two commandments. Just study these two. He says all of it is fixed on this. So our subject is Jesus has a formula for a life of contentment, joy, and spiritual satisfaction. All someone has to do is follow these simple commands. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. Simple, isn't it? Anybody, a baby can do it, couldn't you? You can do that with your eyes closed. Now, it must be stated that you can't do it. <laughs> and that is why we need Jesus' atoning blood. Romans chapter 8 says, Therefore, there is no condemn condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, we all in the flesh, right? God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled, uh, fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. However, every Christian should strive and allow the Holy Spirit to push us closer to the perfection of the loving God with all our hearts. Galatians chapter 3. I like Galatians chapter 3, uh, starting at verse 17. And it says, And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot uh, disannul 
that it should make the promise of none effect. Come on, preach with me, Paul. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more promise. Think about this. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgression till the seed, singular, should come to whom the promise was made and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the, is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid, Paul says in Galatians. For if there had been a law given which could give life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. You, are, you, are you getting this? But the scripture had concluded all understand that the promise of faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law shut up until the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us into Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under schoolmaster for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized Unto into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for ye are all in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So God gave the promise to Abraham before he gave the law to Moses. Could anybody argue that fact? However, it does not mean that God's law is bad. It just simply means we can't keep it. <laughs> the fleshly man is incapable of fulfilling God's law. If one wanted to get to heaven without Christ, he, he would need to fulfill the greatest and most important commands. In Matthew and in Mark, it's called, uh, I'm sorry, in Matthew it's called the greatest command and in Mark it's called the most important. Luke says, if you want to get eternal life, uh, you just can do this. So the answer in all three gospel is love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. That's not me talking. That's Jesus talking. God requires total and complete love towards him. That means every day, all day. He requires that you love your neighbor like you love yourself. My question is, has any of you done that? So, matter of fact, has anybody who ever walked this earth ever done that besides Jesus? Jesus, you're not in this contest. I want to talk to everybody going back to Adam all the way right now. Your grandma and grandpa, everybody you can name, the holiest of holies, all the greatest preachers who ever came along. Has any of them ever uh, 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 fulfilled the two greatest commands? That's my question. I want to know, has anybody besides Jesus done that? I was talking to a fellow a while back when I used to work at this company and I was telling him something about Jesus and he told me he didn't need Jesus. I said, you don't sin? You ain't broke, no, you ain't broke any of the commandments? Matter of fact, I'm going to give you a break. I'm going to just say you have obeyed all the commandments up until the day. I'm going to just front you that. 
since you woke up this morning, have you loved the Lord that God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind? Have you loved your neighbors as yourself? I know you ain't done that because you ain't hooked me up. What you eat this morning? You ain't gave me nothing. You ain't been worried about if I'm hungry or not. So stop it. Let's just stop putting on the pretense. Oh, it's the greatest commandment because Jesus said so. And the second one is the second greatest because Jesus said so, not me. It ain't because I, it ain't I said so. I'd have set it up a little bit different because I'm not Jesus. Name someone since the beginning of time that has accomplished this other than Jesus. Jesus and the teacher of the law are both quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, by the way, for the first command and Leviticus chapter 19, part B, for the uh, second command. You can look it up at another time. We're going to go through it uh, quickly. But notice it says, uh, we will not get to the second command this week, by the way. But in Deuteronomy, let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now, Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Pentateuch. Uh, in the Latin, it's Deuteronomium. And from the Greek, is Deuteronomium. Literally means the second law. Uh, uh, Deutros is second, nomos, law. So and it's saying that the, the second law, so to speak. But it says, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them, they're going to do what? May fear the Lord. Notice that that's always in there. And it's just not, you just, I'm scared of you, you know. So it has a reverence fear of the Lord because he's holy and you're not. So having a, a, a healthy fear of God will do you a whole lot of good. See, if you can keep that remembrance of the fear of the Lord before yourself, uh, it'll stop you and prevent you from doing other things. You say, I will, I, if, if I hadn't known the Lord, boy, I'm telling you, I'd have did this. So it says the fear of the Lord. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Your God, as long as you live by keeping all his decrees. They didn't do that, by the way. And commands that I give you so that you may enjoy a long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you. And that you may increase greatly. In a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. And then verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, the one here is, is, is kind of like uh, uh, the E-H-A-D uh, in the Hebrew. It's like a unity or num numerically oneness. Kind of like what it's talking about in Genesis chapter 2. It said also carries an idea of uniqueness. The God of Israel is not like the other false God. He's unique. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God. Now, in verse 4, it starts with what the Jew, Jewish Orthodox Jews call the confession or the Shema, S-H-E-M-A, which means to hear. Hear, O Israel, Jehovah, our Elohim, uh, Jehovah is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, 
and with all your strength, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Put them on your hearts. In other words, you need to meditate on this. You need to impress them on your children, it says. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Some of them took that literally and started walking around with them on their foreheads. He wanted in the heart though. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build. You didn't build that. <laughs> houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells you didn't even dig. And vineyards and olive groves you didn't even plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful. Look at the warning. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of a land of slavery. Don't you do it either. He brought you out of slavery. If you are a believer right now, he brought you out of Egypt. The spiritual mess you was in, he brought you out of it. It says in verse uh, 13 of, of Deuteronomy chapter 6, Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods. We're going to get a chance to get to a little bit of the Ten Commandments, but this ain't even the Ten Commandments. We're talking about Jesus said it was the greatest commandment. The, 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 the other teacher that, that came along, he said it, these was the greatest. So we wanted to look at them. If it's the greatest, we need to take a note of it. So can I just ask the question? And uh, this should cement it in your minds. That is, it has always been about grace with God. But remember, God has a certain standards. And he did not reduce his requirements in order for you to get to heaven. There ain't going to be no reduction Say I'm a grade on the curve. It is 100% obeying the law to get to heaven unless you're going to go through Jesus. Now, do you want him or don't you want him? <laughs> Think about the whole Exodus story. Let's start with the burning bush. Did Moses say, I'm going to look for Yahweh in the burning bush? Is that how it happened? Because if the law is more important than grace, first of all, we've already established uh, that the grace and the promise came 430 years long before the law came along. But we want to look at it. We, just let me entertain myself for a minute to explain how ridiculous it sounds that people actually think they're getting to heaven by the law. It says, now, Think about, was Moses just out there with the sheep? He says, uh, honey, I'm going to go look for God in the burning bush. And I know he's over there somewhere, but I'm going to find him. And then I'm going to go on back over to Egypt and free my people. The scripture says, he told Moses, take off your sandals, Moses, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face. Because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people. Oh, I thought they just uh, sent a message to God. He said, I seen the misery of my people uh, in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians through the law, right? Oh, I'm sorry. And to bring them out of the land unto a good and spacious land, 
a land flowing with milk and honey. Then when God told the children of Israel to take a lamb and to kill it and to place the blood from the lamb on their doorposts, it had nothing to do with the culinary skills of the Jewish people or the Hebrews back in the Let me see how well y'all can cook, huh? <laughs> it was God telling his people to live by faith and trust his command and obey. But it's also pointing to the Lamb of God, which is later on going to take away the sins of the world. As long as Israel was obeying and eating the Lamb of God, they were protected. They did exactly what he says. And all those who did what he says, uh, the death angels passed by. Is that, is that not right? So uh, did they have the law yet? That's, that's my question. Did they have the law yet? Oh, they didn't have the law. Uh, so they were under grace and they were told to place their faith, not necessarily in the blood of the lamb, but faith in what God had told them to do. The promise. We understand this because Hebrews 10 says it is impossible did, did you get Hebrews 10? It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Come on now. It's impossible. Is that another word for impossible that I didn't get? Because when you put, when they put that, the, uh, they kill the lamb and put the, the blood over the post, uh, was the lamb really saving them? Are you, are you serious? I mean, come on now. But this was a shadow of things to come, namely Jesus Christ atoning sacrifice on the cross on Calvary. God says in Exodus chapter 19, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. <laughs> now if you obey me fully, they can't do it, and keep my commandment, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole world and the earth is mine, he's going to throw that in there. God says, uh, technically, everything on the whole earth belongs to me. So just because I said you are possession, don't think that everything else don't belong to me. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Peter quotes that. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So when the children of Israel came to the Red Sea, did Moses say, Lord, uh, please give me the law so I can quote it and make the Red Sea part. Did he say that? Are we at the Red Sea now, Lord? I need the Ten Commandments. I need you to give me some law so I can get this thing moving. No, after God had hardened Pharaoh's heart, Pharaoh decided to go after the, 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 uh, the, the Hebrew children. Then fear took over the people after they saw Pharaoh coming. Uh, look what they said to Moses. Was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Now, let's not forget they were in slavery in Egypt. I mean, they had started getting them to making bricks without straw. <laughs> they was in hard labor for 400 and some years. And now he frees them after the 10 plagues. They get out here and they say, what's up, Moses? It must not have been uh, any, any graves back in Egypt. You brought us out here to die, didn't you? Boy, how quickly people forget who God is. That's what amazes me. How quickly we are in the human flesh. We forget who he is. Nothing is impossible for him. So what have we done to, uh, what have you done to us by bringing us out? Did he force anybody to leave? Y'all could have stayed in Egypt. I mean, anybody want to come with me? Come on. 
Y'all could have stayed saying, no, I'm staying with Pharaoh because I like being enslaved. Now, many people do like being enslaved, by the way. Didn't we say to you, didn't they say it? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptian. So Moses uh, uh, forced them to come out there with him, right? Well, people are something else, I'm telling you. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Come on, Moses. Then look at what happened. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Let me give you the law. D did he say that? Now I'm going to give you the law right quick. And then you can put on the tablets of stone. Then you throw them in the, in the, in the red sea and that thing going to uh, split up, right? That's what it says. No, I don't think it said that. It says, uh, why are you crying unto me? Tell the Israelites to move on. God got a way of talking like this ain't no big deal. Come on, it's time to let's roll out. Roll out. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry land. What you say? I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go after them and I will gain glory through Pharaoh <laughs> and all his army through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Yeah, that's what we're going to know. Who, who they, what they going to know? They going to know that I am the Lord. When I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. <laughs> God got a way of doing things. He said, I'm going to get glory right here. I'm going to show you something. So you want to know uh, how to have contentment, joy, and spiritual satisfaction. That's the question, right? Love the Lord that God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your mind. But you say, no one can do that. <laughs> I'm glad you just stated that you need Jesus. Thank you for that. I'm glad you just said, I'm glad you came to the same conclusion I've come to. We're going to need Jesus to get to heaven. Jesus said, I have come to fulfill the law, and he did just that. But wait a minute. Did the children of Israel get manna from heaven because of their obedience to the law. If we be, if we just obey the law, that manna is gonna start just raining down. Did the children of Israel get, uh, 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 get, 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 get the water from the rock because of the obedience of the law? That's, that's, that's the question I'm asking. Yeah, hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. I'm saying, did they, why they just didn't quote that then when I was out there? We need some water. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. You love the Lord thy God with all that heart, all that soul. Come on, water. Come on, manna. Were the children of Israel protected by the pillar of cloud by day and by the pillar of fire by night because they obeyed the law? That's my question. I got questions. Oh, I got more questions. I got questions for days. Did God ever ask the children of Israel to gird up their loins and bring the ten plagues on the Egyptians? Just gird it up. Come on, get some plagues going. Did he say, protect yourself by killing a lamb and maybe the death angel may pass you by? Pass me now, oh gentle savior. That's what, they started singing that. That's what happened. Did he say, hurry up and leave because Pharaoh may change his mind? You never know. He just may change his mind. Did he say, bring uh, big fans to blow that the Red Sea can, can be pulled back and uh, get some quick dry so that muddy part you can just march across on? That's the law. He quoted the law and that's how they get across the Red Sea. I'm telling you. It must have happened. It must be another, like another Pentateuch or something that we don't know about. It's got to be another, some other, the lost books or something. Now, if you uh, make it past uh, that, you will, you'll need some food. So pray for rain. Do a dance to bring down some manna. 
That's what he did. And if you get tired of manna, do another dance to bring some quail. That's what happened. Uh, oh, by the way, if you need water, just go up to the rock and says, now, who would have thought about getting water out of a rock? That's a, that's one of, which one of the Hebrews says, you know, I got a good idea, Moses. I've been thinking about this thing. I think technically in that rock over there, it may be some water. Quote the law so we can get water out of that rock. That's what that's what it's saying, right? People are actually thinking that they can actually do the great commandments. Of, you can't do it. Nobody has ever lived on this earth besides Jesus Christ can't obey the law. You are fooling yourself if you think you can. No, he did not say because it would have been futile to tell them to do anything. So I thought the law is what got them to heaven. No, it didn't. Notice that Deuteronomy chapter 5, what God says through Moses right before he gives the Ten Commandments, and we will uh, read uh, read it, but notice that the, uh, the first four commandments is focused on God. Some think it's only the three. I say it's the first four are technically focusing on God. It says, now let's read Deuteronomy chapter 5. We're going to try to rush along here. Uh, Moses summoned all Israel and said he was constantly summoning them, giving them marching orders, telling them what to do, reminding them. If you think people don't need to hear the word of God to be reminded what not to do, you are fooling yourself. As much as possible, we need to get the word of God in us so we can know what not to do and what to do. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, it says Moses summoned all the Israel and said, Hear Israel, the decree. We're finna get to the Ten Commandments. Listen to me. Decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord, uh, our God, made a covenant with us at Horeban. It was not with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. At that time, I stood between the Lord and you declared and, and to you to declare to you the word, the Lord, because you were afraid of the fire and did not go up to the mountain and said, I, this is what the, he said. This is what the Lord says. See, now he finna give, he says, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Notice that he keeps reminding them of that. Have you noticed that he keeps repeating that? It's like, who could have forgot that? But it seems like they couldn't wait to get the golden calf going. It's like no faster than people get over one home. They done went back to the idolatry. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you. Now you think you can do the Ten Commandments. They, they broke the Ten Commandments before Moses came off the mountain. They couldn't wait to break them. I mean, Moses up in the mountain. He's been up there a little bit too long right here. But I'm afraid come on, Aaron, come on up here. Oh, we nominate you. Come on, we need, we need another God. Because the one who brought us out with the man in the rock and the Red Sea and the ten plagues and stuff, he we don't know what Moses happened, so we don't get, we need another spokesman. So we're gonna we're gonna get the calf. That's gonna be our new God right there. Cause we ain't scared of him. We can manipulate the calf, carry him around, do all kind of stuff, and we don't have to be accountable for anything. It says, "I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me." That's the same thing he's talking about technically in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, the greatest commandments, the most important commandment. It's the same thing in the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an image. They did it. 
immediately. You should not make yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. The God I know, he's just loving. He will never send anyone to hell. He just wants me to be happy. <laughs> the, God, the God you're talking about don't exist, by the way. But he says, but showing love to the thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. And then the third one is, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. He is serious. Boy, he's serious about these, these laws and these commands. I thought you was going to grade on the curve, Lord. Then it says in the fourth one, which nobody seems to think that has anything to do. I say the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments is focusing on the Lord. It says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now, I'm not going to get caught up on Saturday, Sunday, whatever. In other words, set a day aside where you worship him. It says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But a seventh day is a is a, a Sabbath to the Lord your God. It's a Sabbath unto the Lord. How about show him some appreciation, some thankfulness. Lord, we worship you this day. We're setting it aside to worship you. Only you shall do no work. Neither you, nor your sons, or your daughters, nor your male, or your female servant. This ain't, God ain't tired. He don't get tired. So this ain't got nothing to do with him, technically. I don't care what nobody. This ain't got nothing to do with him. He don't need no rest. Yeah, he, well, it says he, he rested on, on the seventh day, yeah, from his creation work. He didn't rest from working. I think we said that uh, many other times. He, if the God stopped working for a nanute of a second, complete chaos will kick off. So every Christian's motivation should be every day, how can I love the Lord my God more today than I did yesterday? It should be our prayer that the Holy Spirit would fill uh, our hearts with a longing to love God more. We should say, Holy Spirit, if there is anything in me that is hindering my love for God Almighty to be impeded, please take it away so that I may be in total peace. And that I may have contentment, joy, and spiritual satisfaction in Christ Jesus. What is the most important and the greatest command? Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, I've said it before. You can't do it. I can't do it. Moses can't do it. The Apostle Paul can't do it. Michael the Archangel can't do it. I'm just telling you, it can't be done. Because if it can't be done by anybody else, why is God? Why would God be so cruel to send his son down here just to die? And there are some more ways to get there. Just send another fellow down here. I mean, it don't even make any sense to me. The, 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 futile, the way that people try to uh, build it up as if something else. Jesus says important. Don't get me wrong. The law is important. You should strive every day to do just that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul. Now, you don't have to be first. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you to move you closer to God Almighty. To allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. Because it's going to take the Holy Spirit, God in you, working and pulling you towards God Almighty. 
That it's the greatest commandment. Jesus said it, not me. Jesus said it was the greatest commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. He said it was the greatest commandment. So if Jesus said it's the greatest commandment, I think I'm going to take the master's word for it. I mean, he's a whole lot smarter than you and I. If the master says that it's the greatest commandment, and you remember in Luke what we talked about? Uh, the, 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 the teacher came along and said, I, I need eternal life. Now, how, how can you uh, get eternal life? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And remember what Jesus' uh, answer was to the question, do this and you will live. If you want eternal life, you love the Lord that God with all your heart, all your mind, all your might. Love your neighbor as yourself. You're on your way to heaven. Now, that's all you got to do. Simple process. Let me see you do it then. See, that's why we need the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. He came to fulfill the law, and he did just that. He says, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundant. He did that. He came and says, believe in me. Trust in my finished work. So if you're out there today and you're trying to get to heaven on your own, you're not going to fulfill the first one. And you're surely not going to fulfill the second one. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you ain't done that since you've been born, you might want to trust Jesus as Lord and Savior so you can be on your way to heaven. And then he can allow his Holy Spirit to work in you daily to draw you closer to God. Say every day, Lord, take a little bit of me out and put more of you in. I need more of me. Paul said I must. Uh, it was John the Baptist. But Paul said uh, every day I die daily. John the Baptist says I must increase. I mean, he must increase and I must decrease. Paul says I die daily. Because he was putting, he was pulling off Paul and putting on Jesus. Pulling off Paul and putting on Jesus. So he was looking more to that loving the Lord that God with all your heart. Because what he was doing is that he was allowing the Christ in him to work in closer to God. That's the key. Allowing the, the Jesus in you, but you got to get saved for it. I don't know if you accept, if you have not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can do it today. And we're going to pray and we ask you to Invite Jesus in your heart that you may accept the atoning work of Jesus Christ. I know they just preached that on Easter, but that's a, that's a sermon that can be preached every day. Uh, yeah, he died. By the way, they, they, he, he was crucified. He died. Uh, they buried him in a grave. He stayed there and he got up. And he, when he got up, he says, all power in heaven and earth is in my hand. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word this day. We pray, Lord, that you will allow your Holy Spirit to come into our hearts. Once we, if there's anyone who has not accepted you as Lord and Savior, first, Lord, touch their hearts and let the Holy Spirit work on their hearts so they, they may accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And for those who are believers, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you will let them pray daily on how to be more uh, like Jesus and to get closer to you. This is our prayer, Lord. We pray for those that's listening to our voices, Lord, that if they're going through any problems spiritually, physically, or financially, Lord, we pray blessing and increase in their lives this day. It is in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you and God keep you is our prayer. If any of you have been blessed, 
by the message today. Um, if you're in the chat room, GLC has posted our links. If you'd like to make a donation, if you're not in the chat room, you can go to the website commonsensenation.net and go down to the donate button and uh, donate if God uh, puts it on your heart. Uh, that's our prayer for you this day. God bless you and God keep you uh, is our prayer. And I hope that you all have a blessed uh, Sunday. Hope that you are going to uh, make it your mission to try to read the word of God daily. Something. You don't have to read, even if you can't read a, a, a whole chapter, just read a couple of scriptures daily because it'll give you strength. It'll, it'll increase your closer walk with him because you can't get to know him if you don't need, read his word. It is impossible to know God without actually knowing God's word. It's not going to happen. People say, how are you going to know him and you don't spend any time with him? In order to know him better, one must uh, uh, read his word, meditate on his word, and allow the Holy Spirit to work on your heart that it may give you understanding of his word. That's our prayer today. Uh, and I hope that you uh, will uh, do that so that you may strive uh, to fulfill some of the greatest commandment according to Jesus. Now, today we said that, that was uh, part one. On next week, we're going to uh, deal with uh, part two of the... Um, of what Jesus says is the uh, the second greatest commandment, loving your neighbor as yourself. We will deal with that next week. Now, I'm not for sure if we're going to do it, but to see uh, what we're doing. But it, we may, if we don't uh, do it at the 4 p.m. Uh, on next Sunday, we may even try to do it like Saturday night or something. I'm not saying for sure we are, but stay tuned. <clears throat> we'll keep you updated. We may try to do the message Saturday night. It's still a Sunday at 4 p.m., but we'll keep you updated on uh, on that. God bless you, and God uh, keep you is our prayer. Uh, God bless you, and I hope you have a great Sunday.